Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. We are a weekly Columbus-centric podcast focusing on the civics, lifestyle, entertainment, and people of our city. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. This week, I sat down with the director of the Department of Neighborhoods for the City of Columbus, Carla Williams-Scott. Now, almost a year into her position at the new department, Ms. Williams-Scott and I discussed the various functions of the department, the impetus for it, and what opportunities she sees in the diversity of our city's neighborhoods and the disparity between them. You can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Also, the Confluence Cast is now on Patreon. Find out how to support this podcast on our website, again, theconfluencecast.com, or at patreon.com slash confluence. The Confluence Cast is sponsored by Kepri, a full-service mobile and web development company specializing in design and programming services. Defined through skill and innovation, Kepri works with their clients to create user-centric, technology-based products that innovate. Kepri provides complete technology solutions with a solid strategy to meet your goals and grow your brand. See examples of their work and explore what Kepri can do for your big ideas at Kepri.com. Enjoy the interview. Sitting down here with the Director of Department of Neighborhoods in the City of Columbus, Carla Williams-Scott. Miss Williams-Scott, how are you? I'm great. How are you today? I'm doing well. Good. Thank you for asking. First of all, give us the elevator pitch. What is the, de- the newly formed Department of Neighborhoods? Department of Neighborhoods is the best department in the City of Columbus. Mm. We are a new department. We've been effective since July of 2016. And um, it's a combination of areas that were formerly housed in other departments and then one standalone department. So the Department of Neighborhoods comprises the the former Community Relations Commission, which was a standalone department that did diversity training, focused on discrimination complaints and other kinds of initiatives around uh, working with our New Americans program. Um, so that that's one. And I'm, and we will dial down into each of these later as well because i think the community relations commission specifically they actually are pretty empowered to make recommendations to council in terms of how the city should be representing itself in actual diversity cases right to some degree okay to some degree we make recommendation not necessarily to council okay but to the work with the city attorney's office and then they determine from there kind of where where those cases go gotcha up next in the department and then we have the um, 311 customer service call center which is now housed in the department of neighborhoods it was formerly housed in public service and then we have the neighborhood program which it, it comprises the neighborhood liaisons and the neighborhood pride program so all of those efforts make up the department of neighborhoods great and you guys have some oversight over the actual neighborhood commissions as well is that correct yes we do so each of our area um, our neighborhood liaisons uh, we're divided up into quadrants of the city okay and so each of those neighborhood um, liaisons are responsible for being i guess for lack of a better term the staff liaison to the area commissions they're housed in our neighborhood pride centers Uh, we have a near east pride center a Far East Pride Center, a West Pride Center, South Pride Center, and a North Pride Center. And so we take the the city map 
mm-hmm. and divided into quadrants. And then the area commissions um, are kind of tucked with each of one of those neighborhood liaisons. Gotcha. Talk about the goal for the department in general, why it was formed, what was the impetus for it? The impetus, I think, as you've heard, our mayor has said his top three priorities of his administration are neighborhoods, neighborhoods and neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. Hence the Department of Neighborhoods. And what we're looking at is some of our neighborhoods have not enjoyed the prosperity um, in the city as some of some of our other neighborhoods. And so we want to take this opportunity to kind of, number one, service that liaison between city government and our residents, and then two, to be able to really focus on some of those neighborhoods that, again, I, like we said, have not enjoyed um, some of the prosperity as some of our other neighborhoods have. I don't quite know how to answer this question, but I'm going to ask it. What do you think caused that disparity in what those neighborhoods are experiencing? You know, I think I think Tim, I think it's a lot of things. I think part of it might have been just the actual boundaries of what actually created neighborhoods. Um, there's the economic development component to when you create a neighborhood. Are there actually jobs in the vicinity to help? the neighborhood thrive and prosper Mm -hmm. and not being I'm not a Columbus native but um, I talked to many folks who are Columbus natives and in particular one of the things people have said is the um, the expansion of the of the freeway Mm -hmm. that I-70 came right through the near east neighborhood and really kind of divided the neighborhood so I think those kinds of things over time have kind of led to kind of that, I don't want to say breakdown, but Mm -hmm. what we've seen where some neighborhoods have not really enjoyed in that prosperity. Because if you do, if you have that cutoff, then there's no economic development, there's no major employer, and all of those things you need to have a neighborhood to be able to thrive and prosper. Well, and not to put words in your mouth, but I think it's not necessarily that you're ignoring it, but you're not focusing on what the impact of those things have been. I've certainly, having lived for a short period of time in the Milo Grogan neighborhood, that's certainly, you know, that's I-71 did that there. Exactly, exactly. So I think those are the kinds of things um, that we've seen. And so, again, along with prosperity comes new opportunities. I don't like to say challenges. I say new opportunities. Well, and certainly one of the things I have written down is what are the challenges and the opportunities that you see for the department? Talk about your background a little bit and how you got here. I have. So um, I was with the city for 12 years Mm -hmm. um, under the former administration. And I started out, I came to the city um, as the deputy director in the Community Relations Commission. So I worked very closely with the Community Relations Commission with our um, doing the diversity training, working with our discrimination complaints, and all of the kinds of programs that were then housed under the Community Relations Commission. Um, From that time, um, I spent four years in community relations. Mm -hmm. Then I spent two years in the mayor's office under former Mayor Coleman Mm -hmm. um, as a uh, community affairs outreach. And so had the opportunity to really see the city from kind of, I call it the bird's eye view. It's it's different being in a department and then being in the mayor's office, then you're working with all of the departments. You're seeing it all, right. So I had that opportunity, then um, left the mayor's office and went to the Department of Development. In development, I was actually um, an assistant director there and was responsible for legislation, contracts, and neighborhood services. Hmm. 
Sounds so, sounds like you kind of lined everything up for this this role. I didn't do it, but it kind of happened that way. Mm-hmm. And and I say to um, my my current boss, uh, Mayor Ginther, that this is my dream job. Excellent. Everything that I've done up until this point has actually, like you said, kind of led me here. Um, I didn't plan it that way, but that's the, that's kind of how it happened. So all of the areas that are now in the Department of Neighborhoods, mm-hmm. I have currently either worked in and or supervised um, in, with the exception of the 311 Customer Service Call Center. Well, and so, that wasn't around because you spent some time at the county after the city, right? I did. Right? I spent some time at the county. 311's been around, but it was just kind of getting started okay. when I was here before. And so it started out, um, I don't know if you remember the former, it was the Mayor's Action Center. And there was like kind of the, a hotline for people, you know, residents to call if they had issues or concerns. Mm-hmm. And so the 311 Customer Service Call Center is an outgrowth of the former right. Mayor's Action Center. And so it started out really kind of focusing on trash pickup, potholes, my street lights are out, those right. kinds of things, which then made sense for it to be housed in public service, mm-hmm. which then is the um, the department that, you know, does refuse pickup, street repair, and those kinds of things. But over time, as people um, find out about 311, it has grown. And so we get all kinds of calls and not just related to city services, but other city issues and concerns. Well, let's delve into that a little bit. What are the other things that people can do with 311? Um, Just for example, I mean, um, fairly recently um, in the last uh, 10 days or so, we've gotten a lot of calls um, in relation to the president's executive orders and then the city's. Um, executive order that uh, Mayor Ginther signed. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, people call in and or email a lot of it. So with 311, you can either call and talk to an operator or you can um, go online mm-hmm. and send your comments in. And so we've received a lot of comments around the executive order. What is the city stance on um, supporting or working with immigrants and um, and refugees? And so those kinds of things, those are some of the things that can come through 311. Give you an example. Last summer, right after I started, I'd been in my job for maybe about a month. Okay. And there was, I don't know if you remember, there was a huge warehouse fire out on the west, west side of yes. Columbus. And housed in that warehouse were a lot of um, hams that were to go to different, I guess, stores or whatnot. Well, when the warehouse caught on fire, they lost their refrigeration, which then... It it, smelled a little bit over there. It smelled quite a bit. And so it it all happened right down the time when we had several 90-degree days. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we were getting emails at 311 like oh my gosh what's that what's that odor on the west side right and so those kinds of things come in and then we that gives us an opportunity to prepare communication to um, outreach to residents so that we can respond to them one so for something like that though you guys can't really solve the smell right you can certainly direct refuse services to act quicker put more resources but that's much more a Hey guys, yes, we're you know we're aware that there's a terrible smell, right. and we are doing our best to solve it. Right. We couldn't solve the smell, but what we can do is provide updates mm-hmm. to residents. And so there were a lot of things involved in that cleanup. There were some code enforcement issues. There mm-hmm. were you know getting things to the landfill and being able the company being able to get things to the landfill. Mm-hmm. So our city workers were able to kind of serve as that bridge to kind of help speed the process up. 
And then we were able to give updates when residents did call in. And we can say, we understand, we are aware of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Here's how we're working with the company to get that cleaned up. And certainly not a please stop calling. But Oh, you, never. You, no, never. But you do want to make sure that, you know, if you're hearing a concern over and over, you want to make sure you address it, at least from a communication standpoint. Exactly. Now, I want to go back a little bit to something you said about, you know, people are calling into 311 in regards to Mayor Ginther's executive order in regards to Donald Trump's uh, refugee and uh, please do not email me Muslim ban. So the website says that you guys are the gateway to government services. Mm-hmm. Do you view 311 and other methods that people are able to get a hold of the city? Is it also the gateway to government? Because that to me, seems like something that somebody would call City Hall. Somebody would call a council member, call the mayor's office. But do you think that people see 311 as their gateway to those elected officials? And should they? Um, I think um, they should on. So first of all, in city government, you have two sides, okay. administration and council. Mm-hmm. And so while 311 services all of the city, it's housed in a department on the administration side. Mm-hmm. And so if people want to, so we do get calls and some of the emails that come into 311 will say, Dear Mayor Ginther, mm-hmm. and it's their way to reach to the mayor. Okay. If you If you think about it, the mayor's office has one receptionist and a scheduler and a couple of other people that Mm -hmm. are taking phone calls. Right. The 311 call center has 20 some odd people that are taking phone calls and responding to the emails. And so we do view that as the gateway into government and calling. I mean, certainly if someone sends something into 311, we forward it to the mayor's office through the communication chain and try to respond appropriately. Um, and people actually do call their council members. So they right. would call the council office. Very seldom, I don't think, have I seen 311 calls that come in that are responding to, that want to talk to a council member. If they do, certainly. Dear we, Shannon Harden. I know, right. <laughs> then we would forward it to council member Harden's office. Um, but mainly it's around questions or concerns regarding the mayor, the administration, and those kinds of things. Gotcha. Great. Mm -hmm. Talk about the purpose of the Community Relations Commission. So the Community Relations Commission was established to bring civic leaders, business leaders, citizens, and elected officials together to focus around issues of ethnic, racial, and cultural diversity. Okay. The Community Relations Commission was also able to handle discrimination complaints that would come into the office or that came into the city. And it was mainly around um, for residents. So if you felt you had been discriminated against either by your employer, by a business, um, then you could come in and file a complaint with us. If then moving forward, then it would go to the full commission for review. Then it could also go to, we'd work with the Ohio Civil Rights Commission. So there's Community Relations Commission and Ohio Civil Rights Commission. And that sort of depends on the level and the extreme of of the case. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And, you know, and whether, you know, sometimes a discrimination complaints would come in and certainly not to minimize them but sometimes once we delve through and talk to both parties mm-hmm. it's more of a personality right you know um, issue okay. or a personal issue not so much a discrimination complaint because okay. you could certainly take any well and I, any disagreement and so turn it around like any private business that you know opens its door to the public also reserves the right to refuse service to anyone you can't do it based on racial gender age 
grounds, but sometimes, you know, there are neighborhood squabbles. Exactly. Sometimes there are squabbles. And with the Community Relations Commission, we those we focused on discrimination complaints for those protected classes. Okay. Talk about Neighborhood Pride and Neighborhood Liaison and, mm-hmm. and what the function of that unit is. So Neighborhood Pride and the Neighborhood Liaison Program is really a team of advocates that work out in the community. Okay. So we'll start with the liaisons. Like I said, mentioned, we have the Neighborhood Pride Centers. Those are actually physically located throughout communities within the city. Mm-hmm. And so we want people to be able to have access to city government without having to come downtown. Okay. And so that's the reason for the Neighborhood Pride Center. So what are the resources specifically available there? So within each Neighborhood Pride Center, you have the Neighborhood Liaison, there are um, oftentimes, and this is during the course of a day. Okay. And so their community um, liaison police officers will work out of the neighborhood pride center. Okay. Um, code enforcement for that particular area or region works out of the neighborhood pride center. Okay. And then the health department may have a social worker or a health worker that works in and out of the Pride Center as needed. Okay. And so that group of city services is right there. You know, if people have concerns or issues, they can go to the Pride Center and then be directed to where they need to go instead of saying, oh my gosh, do I need to come downtown? Do I need to go to this department or that department? We try to help them in one spot and then get them. So say if you came to the Pride Center and you want to, you have questions about, I don't know, vaccinations from okay. the health department. You could work with the social workers and the folks from the health department to kind of let you know what the schedules are, when you need to go, what the day, hours of operation are, that sort of thing. And sometimes direct services are available in those pride centers exactly sometimes if they if if warranted so in some pride centers like early on we might do something like flu shots or you know we might offer information and i'm thinking back when there were a couple of outbreaks you know where Mm -hmm. people were concerned about you know we would always have information there information sessions and you could do it within the in the pride centers okay and is it broken down on the map of like this pride center services this area or is it basically they're located like a rec center they're located for convenience and you can sort of make a choice about where you would go they're located you can go to any pride center okay but there are um, in terms of the breakouts that's how they service the area commissions so if you have specific concerns or issues around where you live Mm -hmm. in a particular area it's probably best to you know talk with the folks in that pride center who then can put you in touch with the appropriate area commission so if i lived east i wouldn't go to the west pride i could go to the west pride center but right. the west pride center doesn't work with the east area east side area commissions and so forth talk to me about area commissions mm-hmm. they are laid out in city code as having a specific purpose what what does an area commission do area commissions are kind of like a, first of all they're we see them as kind of an arm of government mm-hmm. but they are not government okay they're not a city office they're not you know, governed by city rules and guidelines. These are all volunteers. They're elected. They have their own bylaws and charters. It's almost like being its own little agency without being a nonprofit or or whatnot. Okay. They do get some funding from the city. So um, each year we fund area commissions. I think it's approximately about $2,500. And that's for things to help with like postage and getting information out. Um, Some use it for website design and Mm -hmm. maintenance, um, those kinds of things. 
the area commissions really are the ears and eyes and boots on the ground in their community and kind of that liaison, that contact to City Hall. I think one of the most powerful things that the area commissions can do, and most of them do very well, Mm -hmm. is um, have a zoning committee. Okay. And what zoning does is help to determine how what your community looks like. Okay. Determine what your you know how your community is zoned. Um, when biz, when new businesses want to come to the community, if there's a if they require a zoning variance, they have to go before the area commission. Okay, and that's new businesses, new developers that may be putting in residential. Everything. I remember just passively a planner bringing up they were looking at plans for Wyland Park and developers would bring in these apartment buildings with entrances on both sides and I think it was the area commission who said to them we have porches here that's important to us and that's you know they recognized very specifically what defined their neighborhood exactly and that's that's one of the the key roles of the area commission is to help developers to help business owners that you know that want to come in to define what that neighborhood is. I mean, we want to spur development and economic development and growth, but we also want to make sure that, especially in in some cases, these individuals are not from the from the area. Mm-hmm. And so we want them to understand you're coming into a neighborhood, even though you you know what you're doing, you're bringing in something great, new housing, new jobs, but we want you to hear from us what our community is like, what our neighborhood is like, and what we value as residents. And so that that's a great example. And so are the area commissions empowered to sort of stop things from happening? Because they are, from my understanding, basically providing advice and consent to council, basically saying, yes, you should give this variance or something like that, right? That's it, exactly. Um, in terms of actually stopping probably not but okay. their decisions can weigh heavy in on council council will ultimately vote yay or nay okay <laughs> excuse me on those kinds of things but their input can weigh heavy into what council you know how they you know which way they probably go because they want to make sure that they're being also responsive to the residents and so well and especially more now right because there is an administration that is so focused on neighborhoods that they want to be sure that they're listening to those voices exactly exactly and you know i mean and this is kind of a a made-up example but say if it's a you know a totally residential area and there happens to be a huge plot of land Mm -hmm. and a developer says you know hey i'd really i'd like to come in and put a gas station and car wash right there because i think these residents really could use a gas station and car wash Mm -hmm. and so they'd have to get probably probably a zoning variance Mm -hmm. because if that plot of land isn't isn't zoned for um for that particular type of business Mm -hmm. then they'd have to come to the neighborhood and while the developer can say i think that's a great idea and this is what you guys really need neighborhood's like yeah not so much you know? why don't you look around the corner right we don't really want a, a gas station and car wash here but this is what we would like to see so if you're in you know in the business of doing x y and z and so those kinds of things um i think uh provide area commissions the zoning piece is mm-hmm. very is key now why wouldn't a commission have a zoning 
committee? What, what they do? They have a zoning committee. So all of them, m- do. most all of them do. Oh, okay. And there's a zoning chair. Okay. And so they're usually, I mean, and again, like I said, they have their own bylaws and structure. Mm-hmm. There's usually a chair, vice chair, and then they have various committees, zoning. There may be, I don't know, communications, you know, just all kinds of different committees. But, but the zoning is what really kind of and that and it might be tied into a development committee mm-hmm. so a development committee would actually work with developers that are coming p- to a particular area because not all new development requires a zoning variance right but some of sti- it's already a commercial area exactly and in most cases um, developers will still present before the area commission because they want to make sure that they have community buy-in if they're coming in just like the example you used in Wineland Park mm-hmm. while the developers coming in and they're putting up this new new housing and kind of you know spurring growth in the in the neighborhood that's a great idea but they don't want to come in and if the all the houses in the neighborhood are made are shaped like circles they don't want to come in and build rectangle you know right. rectangle houses right just you know absolutely simple example but <laughs> yeah no it's fitting and not all areas of the city are covered by area commissions but you guys very prominently on the department of neighborhoods website link to here's how this gets started if you were interested in doing that exactly and we have a couple we have a new area commission that's going through the process now i believe they're far west okay and so you're you're right Tim. not all areas are covered by an area commission but then so there's area commissions mm-hmm. then there's civic associations okay and block watches okay that go down so if you, some area may not be covered by an area commission but they have a very active civic association okay and a civic association is a much smaller area <clears throat> usually if there's an area that is covered by an area commission the civic association has representatives on the area commission yes so and there's that complete tie-in yes for those of that have listened to the confluence <laughs> cast when we had our episode on the hilltop we were talking to representatives from the westgate homeowners civic association exactly now there are a couple of area commissions that are area commissions by name but they also sort of are empowered differently. I'm thinking specifically about the Victorian Village Commission, the Downtown Commission, and then the Italian Village Commission. What's what's the difference there? They are mainly focused around development issues. Okay, specifically. De- mainly okay. development issues. And so when development was spurring in those particular areas, they have their own commission that kind of focuses on development. The difference between an area commission and um, and say like a, a a Victorian Village Commission or an Italian Village Commission mm-hmm. is they they don't do a whole lot of work with the block watches and civic associations. They're, they're not just, talking with their you know police liaison. They're not dealing with public safety. They're not dealing with for the most part. Okay. For the most part, no. For the most part, they're focused on development. Okay. Development and zoning, I guess. Gotcha. Talk to us about the neighborhood pride program. So Neighborhood Pride is part of was also housed in development with the um, Neighborhood Liaison Program. Mm-hmm. And what Neighborhood Pride is, it's a it is to me one of the best tools that we have to get out into the community. So we talk about the Department of Neighborhood kind of being that liaison between city government and the and the neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Neighborhood Pride is what I say was is when it's a program where we go out into the communities um, and for one week we, and I use the term, we, in a good way, bum rush the community with city services. So we'll have friendly reminders of code enforcement. We'll have service in fixing potholes, painting fire hydrants, 
We'll have uh, forestry and cutting back trees. Okay. Uh, we'll have refuse doing bulk pickup. So it's kind of like um, community beautification. But every, everything all at the same time. <laughs> right, all in one week. And so that's part of the program. And um, it's we're housed, we're out there for an entire week. There's a lot of interaction between the city and the residents. Uh, we have a bicycle safety program for kids. We'll have one night um, where uh, police and um, fire may come in and talk about community safety. Okay. So there are all kinds of different things. And it's uh, neighborhoods have to apply to be in the neighborhood pride program. It's really it's community driven. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's an application process, because there's a lot of work on the residents to go out and communicate what's going on during pride week okay uh to their you know rep to their neighbors mm -hmm. we during neighborhood pride we select a location where we are housed there for the entire week usually a lot of times it, it'll be in maybe a church okay. that, a church in the community that will allow us to use their community hall or church basement and we set up and we are there for the entire week and so and, are you depending on residents to like come in and grab garbage bags and come in and they're not painting no uh, no no okay. they're not doing that city services are coming out oh, okay but during that week and where we're housed say for example in the community hall of a church in that community mm -hmm. Each department, each city department has a table there. So aside, you can go in, aside from, um, you know, having access to the neighborhood pride centers, this church could be like two doors down from you. Okay. And you come in that entire week and there are city, there are city representatives there all week long. One of the other neat things is every day there is a neighborhood, there's a lunch okay. for the community. And so our staff work to get that donated through um we call them pride partners which mm -hmm. are businesses in the community so restaurants in the community other churches in the community mm -hmm. some people sometimes it's a big community potluck and people are being bringing things in mm -hmm. and then it culminates on that friday <clears throat> well just let me start but go go back a little bit mm -hmm. so on thursday evening we call it community community night okay and that's when the mayor comes out to that community residents come and they can ask all kinds of questions um, a lot of times, you know, people are use, taking that as an opportunity to get their voices heard. So mm -hmm. sometimes there's, there are complaints, right. but a lot of times there are, you know, there are questions, you know, like, well, you know, we, we've been trying to get sidewalks in, in our neighborhood. Are we on the list to get sidewalks? So, and all of the department directors are there that night. To be able to address it as well. Because be the mayor does, it would be amazing if we had a mayor who was able to say, yes, your block is getting. Your block is scheduled for sidewalks on September 3rd, 2021. Right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he, <laughs> but, although I think he's really smart and really good. I don't think he has that schedule in his head. <laughs> I hope it's not that granular and a little bit bigger picture. Exactly. Uh, but that's exactly. great that they're able to sort of say, you know, thank first of all, thank you so much for all the work that's been done this week, but also say, okay, well, here are the, the new things that, right. that are going to happen. And I'd be interested to see now that we're a year in to the new administration, sort of how that impacts things going forward and like what, you know, he's hearing there. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're going to use to kind of revamp Neighborhood Pride. And we call it Neighborhood Pride 2.0 because okay. the program's been around for a while. And so we want to kind of put a new spin on it now that we actually have a department that is focused on neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. What can we do new or different? 
or additional or additional exactly exactly and that's why it um there's an application process and um neighborhoods the residents have to be committed so it has to be sponsored either by an area commission a block watch or civic association because there's a lot of community involvement and are they in that application are they addressing specific concerns of the neighborhood or is it just hey we want you to come out Mm -mm. they're they're addressing specific concerns of why they think they would qualify as a good pride program so one of the other services that that comes in during that week is our um housing department Mm -hmm. they have folks that come in and work with um and a lot of times it's um, older residents that may need their houses painted may need things fixed up how do they do that how do do they know where to go and so we can provide them with that information that you know here's what the city can do to help if not the city these agencies or organizations can help or you can get low or no interest loans to help fix up you know things at your home and so um, pointing them to resources exactly right exactly talk about some of the other in addition to neighborhood pride 2.0 some of the other initiatives that you're focused on right now um so the department of neighborhoods also houses um the new americans program and so the new americans program focuses on um making sure that we fully integrate our um new residents mm-hmm. to community to the Columbus community. Uh, we like to say it's the Columbus way that we're an inclusive community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we also want to make sure that we have we're able to communicate to um, new new folks that are coming to the community. Again, same kinds of things. Here's where city services are. Here's how we can help you. A lot of folks that come to the community, especially in terms of our refugee and immigrant community, they are very entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's why in a lot of neighborhoods where you see folks kind of settle in, in kind of pockets, mm-hmm. you'll see a lot of you know, businesses or stores will come up because they want their, their number one, they're entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. They want to be part of the fabric of the community that they're moving to, but they still want that taste of home. So if I'm, you know, from, I don't know, Mexico Mm -hmm. and I'm used to eating, getting certain kinds of fruits and certain kinds of vegetables, Mm -hmm. I might not necessarily be able to find that in my local Kroger or Giant Eagle or Meyer or whatever, but if I'm, you know, if there's a local grocer who's also from the same country that I'm from and understands the kinds of foods I like to eat, and this rest, this grocer comes up, um, you know, opens up in the community, then you kind of see then people move to that community mm-hmm. because they have access to things that kind of give them that little piece of home. But our New Americans program, we really strive to make sure that folks feel welcome and integrated into the community. So that same grocer that opens his business, we want him to him or her to join the area commission, mm-hmm. to join the civic, to then, you know, branch out and say, yep, here's what I can here's what I can contribute and here's what I can learn from folks that are already here. So that's one of the things that our New Americans program does, I think, and does really well. What are the ways that it does it? Is it simply out Outreach. There's outreach. We have um, two individuals on staff. Um, so we have one person that's kind of focusing on policy okay. around um, new American programming funding that may come out. Okay. And then we have another pro- person that's focused on programs. And so how can we assist people? How can we assist not just our new immigrants and refugees, but how can we assist the mainstream community to you know kind of bridge that gap? Right. Um, a lot of times there may be um, 
friction when well, someone and basically new comes into a finding those opportunities for integration. Exactly. Exactly. And so we do a lot of that. We do a lot of um, inf- information and education. Um, one of the things that the group started before I got here and we did just when I came on board last summer was uh, taking a tour, a neighborhood tour out on the near east side mm-hmm. of some of our new um, businesses a lot from a lot of the um, different African countries. Mm-hmm. There are barbershops and grocery stores and you know, uh, just all kinds of businesses out there. And so how do we go out and talk to these folks? And then we had folks from the area commission and we're trying to build that bridge so that we can make that connection because we want folks to be civically engaged. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that, that to me is one of the best things we can do in the community is, you know, kind of take folks out and learn and learn from each other. Well, and in the end, it's all about knowing your neighbors, Mm -hmm. right? Um, exactly. Um, also, through the that program, we've also done some diversity training for okay. other other organizations. Um, some organizations that may now have a large population of folks from a particular country, and they want to know, you know, we want to provide diversity training for our staff that's here. You know, how do we make sure that we are welcoming? And then for the same this group that's coming there will provide diversity training for them Mm -hmm. so that again to build that bridge what are the it is a new department it's not even a year at this point exactly what are the the challenges and the opportunities that you see at this point i would say i think one of the challenges is just taking all these um separate areas Mm -hmm. and now combining them into one and trying to help it grow flow seamlessly and not just just, so so that you don't have four different silos sitting under you exactly and to help the staff to realize that okay because with the same with the programming with the departments or areas came the same a lot of the same staff Mm -hmm. and so I want staff to really understand now that we're part of one department. So one of the things I did shortly after I came was to just kind of, I took a few months to, um, my, I did a 30, 60, 90 day plan. Mm-hmm. And so like in the first month, I just kind of sat back and looked in to see how things were, were working. And then at that 60 day mark, I started figuring out where can we kind of make changes and do some cross, mm-hmm. cross, um, education and then by the 90 day mark within three months in then i had totally set up um a new um, structure for the department where i kind of moved some people around Mm -hmm. because i want folks to feel like they are now part of this larger department you know your area really well because that's where you the area you came from and you were always working there right maybe now i'm going to pull you out of neighborhoods and i got you working with 311 to do some of that cross training so i think that that started out as a challenge but i think now we're we're actually kind of getting that flow and people are saying okay we are the department of neighborhoods we're not just neighborhood pride or we're not just 311 we're the department of neighborhoods are you facilitating that at sort of an upper level of the department as well where you have you know the person that's in charge of the community relations commission 
and the person that's in charge of neighborhood pride and you guys are all sort of getting together and saying okay what are you dealing with and what's what all is going on right now exactly so the so you're exactly right and we do that in our management team meetings which okay. we do every monday and so each of my um in my leadership team each one of them is responsible for a particular area, mm-hmm. and I made sure that they are not responsible for the area they had before. Smart. And so um, they're really get. I mean, some of them are kind of like, oh, I'm not sure I want to do that. But I was so but, comfortable before. Right. But right. when I came in and I, I talked to each of my leadership team and I said, you know, what have you been doing? And professionally what kind of things do you want to do what do you want to learn what what opportunities do you want to have Mm -hmm. and so I took all that into consideration when we made the when I made those we made those changes Mm -hmm. and so far it's working out really well Um, in terms of one of the other big things that I want to see I'm really focused on getting young people involved in civic engagement and the civic engagement process Mm -hmm. if you look at our area commissions the average age of an area commission member is like early 60s Okay. And so nothing against our seasoned citizens. I'm not far from that. That's a good way of putting it. But I want to make sure that we get our young people involved. We have young people that are moving back into areas that they grew up in. Mm -hmm. How do they get engaged? How do they, and and there's a, and not only how do they get engaged, but there's a different way of thinking. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I look at my own kids. When I look at millennials, and then I look at my husband and I. Mm Mm-hmm. We think differently and we do things differently. Mm -hmm. And so think about that in terms of civic engagement process or any other type of, you know, volunteer committees. You know, old school was we needed to put out a newsletter and we needed to print that newsletter and we need to deliver that newsletter to everybody's door. And there's an assumption that everyone reads it. That everyone's going to read that newsletter. Now, it's like when you want to get young people involved, it's like, eh, maybe not a newsletter. Let's tweet it. Let's put it on Facebook. Let's, you know, so all kinds of different things. And so I'm really focused around how do we bridge that gap? Because pretty soon, those folks that are current area commissioners, they're going to get tired of doing that. Right. And they need to be able to. Well, it's a lot of work. It truly is. Yeah. It truly is. And they need to be able to have someone to pass the baton to. Mm-hmm. And so my one of the, the big focuses for our department is looking at everything we do with a lens of how do we bring in that next generation to be able to pass the baton. And so I and think... And is it really sort of like when you're in neighborhoods sort of planting those seeds of like the person you know, the millennial that actually does show up to the mayor on Thursday night at a neighborhood pride thing, you kind of pull them aside and you're like, are you aware of your area commission and what it does? Exactly. That's it. Exactly. Okay. Or that young person that starts coming to the area commissions to talk to, I work, and that's where my neighborhood liaisons come in mm-hmm. to work with their area commission chairs and the folks on the commission say you know we really want to make sure we get this person engaged so don't just sit them off to the side and discount their ideas Mm -hmm. let's get them engaged because two three years from now you may not want to be doing this anymore right and if you're not grooming anybody to come and take that you know take that over you're gonna feel guilty and stay you're gonna feel guilty and and then i burned out exactly and then that's when you see some of that growth or stagnation Mm -hmm. i think in, in neighborhoods 
And so I'm very, very focused on on this getting young people involved, getting young people at the table. And there are a lot of different, there are some communities that are really good about that and have, and I know you, you mentioned Milo Grogan. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of new housing there, mm-hmm. which draws younger people. And so that's an area where we have a couple, several young people that have, are on the area commission, very vocal, very, I mean, and it's, you really start to see the difference that they make and mm-hmm. how things, you know, how they can shape things. And they're stepping up. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Given that you worked in the Coleman administration and now you're working in the Ginther administration, those two gentlemen obviously worked very closely together, given that Ginther was the president of council before. What differences do you see in the administrations? Good, bad, or indifferent? You know, I... They are obviously very different people. <laughs> very different people. Mm-hmm. But... I think the focus is still the same Mm -hmm. on making Columbus the best Columbus it can be. And so that's kind of, I mean, really, I mean, that's kind of what I see. I I see, you know, two individuals that come in very different, Mm -hmm. very different thinking. And different ways of doing things. Different ways of doing things, but still focused on Columbus, focused on assembling a really good team of strong people Mm -hmm. who can deliver and carry out their vision and yeah i mean it's 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 kind of scary they're they're more alike than they're different <laughs> i can certainly <laughs> in see terms that. you know in terms of their focus on the city definitely Great. well again thank you so much for your time today You're welcome looking forward to talking to you again thank you thank you for listening to confluence cast presented by columbus underground Again, you can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode of The Confluence Cast with your friends, family, contacts, enemies, your favorite department head. If you're interested in sponsoring The Confluence Cast, get in touch with us. We can be reached by email at info at theconfluencecast.com. Our theme music was composed by Benji Robinson. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. Have a great week. Thank you.